Welcome back to the 2R1 podcast, where we study the Bible together as a married couple. I'm Taylor. I'm Elisa. And we're glad you're back. Last week, we were in Mark chapter 3. We finished up the chapter and felt led to go into Acts chapter 1, the church. The church. The thought last week was all in the family. This week it is, what's on your mind? Later in the program, Pastor Mark Addington will join us. So we're really excited. Hope you enjoy it. Sit back and enjoy the ride. We'll see you in just a bit. All right. We're glad to be back. This week we are shifting gears. We're going to the birth of the church. The birth of the ch- I like that. <laughs> it is the birth of the church. Mm-hmm. So, Lisa, if you want to read for us, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1. We're going to go about half the chapter. In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after su- after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who has taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olive, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Lord, we just come to you and just thank you and praise you for allowing us to have access to your word, to be able to read directly from your voice all that you are doing, all that you've done, and all that you're going to do, Lord. We just ask that you guide us and direct us and teach us and help us to just learn and grow the things that you want us to grow in this time and in this season. Bless all those who may be listening. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are switching major gears here. We just skipped the climax of the story of the gospel. Um, but you know, what's interesting was we left off when you know he chose and appointed the disciples, and here they are, all but one mm-hmm. still remain, and they're about to have to do this mission without him. Yeah, it was a, it was a good transition point because he chose them, and then now we we know that Jesus did the work of salvation on the cross. He said it is finished, and then now begins the church. 
and this is the very beginning of the church. And uh, Luke is our author here. Mm-hmm. He also wrote the book of Luke. Uh, and if you look at the beginning of both books, he addresses it to this same Theophilus. So he goes on and does a little bit of a recap from the end of his last book, kind of a, 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 a summary of the last part of his original gospel mm-hmm. of Luke. Um, and he talks about when he wrote Luke, he wrote about everything Jesus set out to do and to teach uh, until the day when after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, the disciples whom he had chosen, he was taken up into heaven. Mm-hmm. So I was having a conversation with uh, the person that I disciple with, a good friend of mine today, Riley O'Berry, and he said, what is the first act that takes place in the book of Acts? You know, that's a good question mm-hmm. to ask. <laughs> and I was like, well, by who? You know, like, I, I didn't know if it was like kind of like a little trick question, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I want to try to get it right. I was like, well, by who? He's like, well, let's look. Uh, it says, Jesus set out to do and to teach until the day when after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the disciples whom he had chosen, he was taken up into heaven. Instruction. So, instructions. Mm-hmm. And he said that if you look, instructions uh, is the actual meaning of the word Torah. So that if this mm-hmm. word were in the Old Testament, it would be called Torah, which means mm-hmm. instruction. So the beginning of the church is just like the beginning of the Old Testament in that they're both instructions. You know what I mean? This is the Holy Spirit. So you have the New Testament, which is in the instruction of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. You have the Old Testament, which is the instruction of the letter of the law. Mm-hmm. You know, you're seeing right there the contrast between the old and the new. And and just 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 that fact alone, that we have the freedom to be taught by God. You know, somewhere in the New Testament it says you have no need that any man teach you, but that the Spirit would teach you. And we have the Spirit, and that is really the linchpin of this book and of the New Testament is that the Spirit is leading us, the Spirit is teaching us. You know, in the Old Testament, they didn't have free access to that. God anointed people with the Spirit as He saw fit for specific tasks. But now He's opened the floodgates. And the same Spirit that's in you as a born-again believer and me, we can all speak from God and we can speak to God with, with Jesus being the intercessor and the Spirit speaking for us and and helping us. Um, we can even hear from a child, mm-hmm. from God through a child. Amen. You know, um, and I think everyone who's heard kids, you know, speak about matters of the faith, if, if they're like me, they're just blown away, you know. So I thought that was really interesting, and that really sets the tone for the New Testament, mm-hmm. that it's the Spirit who's in control now. It's not, we don't and have to wonder. instructing, yeah. Yep. So then he goes on and talks about how... Uh, he gave, after he died, after Jesus died, this is not just some hand-me-down story that happened. He gave many proofs, which all mm-hmm. of those are which are in the Gospels. It talks about in all the different Gospels, and different ones give different accounts of different things. But Jesus came and did many things to show himself alive. Uh, he ate with the disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, he showed himself to the two men walking uh, on the road, he, um, you know, spent 40 days with them. And like I say, he ate, which is an amazing thing when you sit down and think about it. Um, you know, how will it be in heaven? Will we eat? Yeah, it's I an like interesting... how um, the Amplified puts it when it talks about that part. He says, he also showed himself alive after his suffering, 
by a series of many infallible proofs and unquestionable demonstrations. Mm. Yeah, that's... I mean, there's there's really no debate. There was witnesses, you know, right. and the fact that these witnesses all have different accounts of it mm-hmm. actually makes it more true. Yeah. You know, some people, when they look at just the Gospels, for instance, and they say, well, John told it a little differently than Luke, and Mark told it a little differently than Matthew, that means it's actually more accurate, you know, because... I've always heard it like if uh, the policeman is investigating a crime scene and they have some witnesses, if two witnesses tell the exact same story, they can pretty much guarantee they got together to, yeah. you know, get their story straight. Right. It, it makes it less believable. It makes it less believable. But the way that even if we experience the same thing, we have different perspectives and therefore we remember it a little differently. Mm-hmm. And we've concentrated on different things mm-hmm. while it was happening. Um, yeah, I love the way the Amplified really amplifies mm-hmm. the language it does. It's, it's an awesome translation um and then i think this is worth mentioning too uh during a period of 40 days they saw him and he spoke with them about the kingdom of god so the 40 days is significant it's a recurring theme throughout the bible you see it uh, the number 40 is often representative of a time of testing mm-hmm. um, a time of um, growth or learning or testing um, you know, Jesus fasted in the desert right after his baptism for 40 days. And, you know, the 40, I believe, it was the children of Israel wandered through the desert for 40 years, even though it was a two-day journey. And so 40 is a common theme. But also, it's important to remember that when you see these things, to acknowledge that Jesus in this 40-day period is fulfilling one of the feasts of the, of mm-hmm. the Old Testament, of the... Um, the uh, con- the holy convocations of God, as he details in the Old Testament. So his crucifixion was uh, Passover. Uh, then you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread as he was in the tomb. And then now um, you have uh, Pentecost that he's beginning to fulfill. Um, and so 40 days, it's a whole, whole thing that God lays out. But 40 days is part of Pentecost. Then on the 50th day, Later that's on, that's when the Spirit came down. And that, so Jesus fulfilled that feast. So there's a lot of Jewish um, scholars that would really resonate with that part even more, but it's important to mention that. And it's important to mention that he talked with them about the kingdom of God. He wasn't just there to comfort them and hang out with them. He was preparing these 12 ordinary men, or 11, to take his message of the gospel to the entire world and flip the world upside mm-hmm. down. He had business to take care of during these 40 days. Yeah, that, I was reading some of the, you said flip upside down. I was reading some commentary on it and just kind of acts in general and some of the themes that if you look at the whole book and a reversal is one of the themes. Hmm. Of, I just like that word. I mean, it starts off after the Holy Spirit. You know, you've got the scattered languages back from the Old Testament, and all of a sudden everybody's speaking the same tongue. Mm-hmm. And so you see an instant reversal, and then later on, I mean, it's just over and over again. Everybody's being invited. Gentiles are being invited. Paul mm-hmm. alone. So there's so much that's Peter, just turned upside down. That's a very good way of looking at the book of Acts. And, you know, I'm sure this question will get asked many times because we're dealing with God's design for the church really in Acts and his beginning and his pattern for the church. And, you know, have we gotten some things reversed? You know, that question will get asked and looked at um, because God went through a reversal period here. Mm -hmm. Jesus came to clarify what God meant and what God wanted. 
And many, much of the book of Acts is walking out that clarity that God has set for us. And it's uh, incumbent upon us to follow mm-hmm. His pattern, not to follow a preconceived idea or things we've seen, but to follow what God said. And I think a lot of people think, well, this was the first church, the early church, a long, long time ago. That doesn't mean we have to do things like that anymore to still be accomplishing God's will. And while parts of that may be true, it's still the the groundwork, the basics of what the church was supposed to do and how the church was supposed to operate. And yeah, it may look a little differently, but the basics should still be the same. Right. It's just like a parable. You don't take it completely literal, word mm-hmm. for word. You get the lesson from it, and that's what we're supposed to do from this. Uh, so it goes on to verse 4. Um, this is really where the title of this message comes from um, as I get to it here. Uh, so verse 4, he says, at one of my translation says, at one of these gatherings, where he was in talk, talking with them about the kingdom of God, at one of these gatherings, he instructed them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father promised, which you heard about from me. For John used to immerse people in water, but in a few days you will be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, when they were together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore self-rule to Israel? So if you look back at the end of Mark, it kind of details this same little section here. I'm not, not the end of Mark, the end of Luke, excuse me. And, you know, it tells that Jesus is talking to them before they go to the Mount of Olives where he's taken up. And he's telling them all about how, you know, they're going to in very soon be baptized in the Spirit be immersed in the Spirit. And I can just see Jesus having, like, so excited, telling them this, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, guys, it's here. Everything that everybody's <laughs> ever waited for. It's, a, it's You know, my crucifixion and my coming, yes, but now you guys get the football, yes. you know? And mm-hmm. so now is when really things are about to break loose. This is going to be awesome. Jesus is pumped up. He's talking about godly things. He's talking about the kingdom of God, the Bible says. He's telling them the Spirit is on its way. Just wait for the promise. So I got something there, too. We need to wait when God gives us a promise. Let's, let's don't get ahead, okay? That's number one. But, but the real meat here is he says, okay, it's coming. Wait for it. This is going to be awesome. You're going to change the world. And if you look at the image for this podcast, it's two hands that are painted with the world on it. You know, this is why God came to reconcile man back unto him and to use our hands mm-hmm. and his power to do it. It's an awesome image. So he's telling them, and I can just see, like, he, this is, he's waited on this speech, you know what I mean? And they walk a little ways after he gives them this speech, and their first question is, Lord, you're going to take care of our little situation with the Roman Empire? Because look, you know what I mean? Like, God is trying to elevate their mm-hmm. mindset. He's trying to point them toward the kingdom. And how many times is God trying to give us a spiritual lesson, something so much bigger than we're thinking, and we trivialize it and we bring it right back down to these, uh, I don't want to trivialize our needs because I've, I do this, mm-hmm. but many times we are thinking well below where God is trying to get mm-hmm. us to look. And that's exactly what these men did. And this is the habit he's been trying to break mm-hmm. in them for three and a half years. And here he is about to get taken up. He's giving them this rousing speech, and then boom, they're right back to the carnal, fleshly struggles that they're dealing with, and they're worried about 
Me. They, they're worried about me. me. And they're worried about their discomfort, yeah. and they're worried about their problems. And God is trying to get them to look beyond into the future. And they're going to change the world, but they're worried about their struggles in the flesh, mm-hmm. the carnality. And we do that too often. Every day. Every day. <laughs> you know, and it is God's desire that we be sanctified to the point that we look with spiritual eyes mm-hmm. and we hear with spiritual ears and we have spiritual goals. What is on my mind? Mm-hmm. What is on your mind? The way I, I can relate stuff is when I think about our kids and being a parent and how he must feel sometimes when we're the same kids, the same seven-year-old saying, but what about this? But what about this? You know, <laughs> And we're just trying to just trust me. This is bigger. This is a lesson you need to know. I mean, it reminds me of when we tell the kids to do their chores. You know, the point of the chore aside from helping to get the house clean. Sure we all got to pull the plow um, a little bit. But the point of the chore is to have your part and do the community thing and, and learn a little work ethic and be a better person in the long run. And one of the kids, it never fails to ask, well, what about Bubba? Or <laughs> what is Annalie doing? You know, <laughs> and I still worry about what they're doing. This is about you, you know, yeah. and this is about what we need to get done. And that's exactly what he's telling us. Don't He had to say the same thing. To Peter about mm-hmm. John, you know, absolutely, I mean, it is a recurring thing when we want to know, we want to know what we think we need to know, but we don't really need to know. And really, when they ask this question, what they're really saying is, God, let me tell you what's yeah, important. I got a better plan. I got a better <laughs> plan. Listen, God, I know you got big plans, Jesus. I heard the speech. I'm pumped. I really, I'm ready. I'm pumped up. But <laughs> what about this little problem I need you to take care of? Well, uh. If you want to go this route with it, Jesus didn't really even address that. Uh, I mean, he he does, but he doesn't he doesn't get go down the alleyway of that conversation really, because the Roman Empire and the persecution that ensues shortly into this book of Acts is going to be the fuel that really lights the fire mm-hmm. to burn the early church and to and to fan the flames of revival in all the cities. You mm-hmm. know, Jesus has said you're going to go and preach to the uttermost parts of the world, and they're like, but Lord, what about the Roman Empire right now? You know, like, we're, we're just so focused on what we can see and touch instead of what God's trying to show us. And that's really where the heart of the message comes in tonight. So what is on your mind? We really need to be asking that question constantly. If we're believers, we need to have a kingdom mindset because that's what God was trying, or Jesus was trying to get them to have, is a kingdom mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why, and later on, we interview a good friend of ours in the broadcast, Mark Addington, and he's a Methodist pastor. And, you know, we, we've grown up Baptist, and we're perfectly cool with each other. <laughs> I mean, we, we get along great. Tomato, tomato. I mean, you know, like too many times we draw as, as carnal Christians, we draw boundaries that God never drew, and... Uh, we create division among the body because we're trying trying to draw doctrinal boundaries on things that are completely carnally minded instead of all having a collective kingdom mindset. Mm-hmm. And that brings me to the next thing, which is going to go back up one verse, where it says in verse 5, For John used to baptize people in water, but in a few days you will be immersed in the Holy Spirit. So, you know, we have... Uh, our good friend Mark, who is a, a Methodist pastor, and the, the Methodist doctrine on baptism is sprinkling. And sometimes that causes strife and division among people. But if you look here, the word baptize or immerse in my translation 
the Greek meaning of that word is to soak entirely in water, to complete, for water to soak it from beginning to end. So when I say the meaning of that word, many people's minds will go to this thought. Oh, well, that means baptism should be submerged and full. But see, right there, we're already falling for the trap. Because we should be baptized with the Spirit. Yes, God is trying to set. God was not trying to set a yeah. doctrinal boundary mm-hmm. right here with this verse. Okay, everybody, listen and listen to me. God was not trying to set a doctrinal boundary in order to create the difference between denominations in this verse. God was trying to get and see when we argue over things like that, then we're doing the same thing the disciples just did when God when Jesus said. You know, when they said, Lord, are we going to get, you know, they're worried about the wrong thing. And now, don't get me wrong, doctrine and sound biblical doctrine, there are things that are non-negotiable in order to be a true believer in Jesus Christ, okay? I'm not saying that doctrine is not important, but many times, in the words of, of Aunt Darlene, we strain a gnat and swallow a camel. <laughs> and I believe she's quoting scripture there, I can't place where it is, but we choke on the the I mean we, we 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 focus on the little things and call strife contention and division among people and then we're choking on things that we don't think are little but are act, I mean things that are we don't well, think are well big, but are actually little. How can you be a witness little. when that happens? And that's the instruction here. You know, when he got back to the meat of it and was getting back to his point and the whole the whole setup of the early church, he was saying, your job is to be my witnesses. Focus on that. Focus on that. Don't worry about the Roman Empire. Don't worry about who's baptizing this way, in the river, in the creek, in the in the, in the church, sub- submersion, sprinkling. Don't worry about that. Stop choking on the gnat and straining a camel. Tell them about me. Tell them about me. That's Just it. go tell them about me. And you know what? Our unity is one way we tell about him. Yes, absolutely. It is the most important way, I would argue. Yeah. Because he says that's how people will know you're mine. So in the beginning of this Bible study going through Acts, number one, the Spirit is our God and our instructor. Mm-hmm. He's our resident. He takes up residence in us. He leads us and guides us into all truth. We are to follow his leading and his guiding, his instruction, his interpretation of Scripture. And that's, that's first and foremost. Second of all, the early church, God is bringing people together where they had drawn artificial boundaries between people. I mean, we're guilty many times of doing the same things the Pharisees did. I mean, the reason why they killed Jesus is because his doctrine did not match what they thought they knew of God. So they killed him. And we might not go to that extremes with our doctrinal separations, but are we not guilty of the same thing when if, we divide over such small issues as that? And when you that? think about the, the power of the tongue having life or death, we kind of do. I mean, it is to the point of death sometimes when we talk about our fellow brothers and sisters and what they're doing wrong and how we, how we, we, we witness. Yeah, That's we turn the power pe- of life or death. We right turn here. people away. Um, and we even cause believers to stumble, which mm-hmm. Jesus said it would be better than a millstone. We're hung around our neck. So this the point of this Bible study is to really be to look in the mirror for each of us as individuals and say, number one, are we are we creating division because of um, likes and dislikes or interpretations? Or is this a real issue or is this a kind of a uh, mm-hmm. you know? And since small this is issue? the beginning of the early church, the first church of Jesus Christ, then you know, well, you gotta look at what they were correcting. 
Mm-hmm. And is it time for us to look at what we need correcting? Are we becoming more like the Pharisees or are we more like the early church? Mm-hmm. Who do and, we want to be? And I'll just say this, and this is going to offend some people. Uh, if you're hearing this podcast and the even the notion or the thought of you being corrected is bothering you, then that's already a bad sign or a good sign, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> but we got to be able to be corrected. I mean, right? You agree? Absolutely. I mean, if I'm about to drive off a cliff, please tell me. If you love me, you'll tell me. And it's okay if we need to be corrected. I mean, God chastises those that He loves. I mean, if you don't love somebody, you don't correct them. And it's not my authority that corrects anyone. It's not your authority, Elisa. It's the Word of God that we're trying to say, okay, let's, let's, this is our barometer. This is our measuring stick. How do we measure up to what God set mm-hmm. in the beginning? So, that's really where the heart of the message comes from. And let's don't get caught up in those issues. Like, I mean, if you were to ask my personal opinion, I want to try to do it like Jesus did. So I'm like, hey, dunk me. You know, mm-hmm. I want to try and relate with him. But that's, a non, that's, that's not a salvation issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, baptism is an outward sign of an inner spiritual truth. And the way you want to show that sign is up for interpretation, and it's okay, and it's a side issue. That, that's not the main issue. All right, so then he goes on and answers them when they ask the question. You know, I mean, he he does answer them. He says, you don't need to know the dates or the times. The Father has kept those under his own authority. But you will receive power when the Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judah or Judea and Samaria, indeed, to the ends of the earth. So again, he gently corrects them and then points them back in the right direction. Hey guys, that's not for you. That's for God to decide. If you're worried about dates and times, you're already thinking about the wrong thing. Let me point you back to what you need to be looking at, which is up. You will receive power. And I thought about power being part of the word for this title, because that's really, in one word, what our church is missing, the capital C Church. That's what we're missing is the power of God. We need to be praying for the power of God to be manifest back in our lives and our witnesses. I think we'll see that when we have the unity. Mm. I think that it can't happen like it, like it, like this without that unity. I agree. I think that unity is talked about much, but not strived for often. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought about titling the message what power you know (laughs) like i mean granted the power of god i mean the gospel is the power of god unto salvation so god has manifest his power in that he has forgiven us and he's restored us and he's set us on the heavenly places and we have you know spiritual gifts and we have anointings and but i'm talking about the power that you see in addition to that in the book of Acts, where we actually are used as vessels of change and power in people's Mm -hmm. lives to point them to Jesus. You know, people need to see God on the move. They don't just need to be intellectually convinced that Jesus is the Christ. It is a work of power from the Holy Spirit to reveal Mm -hmm. someone and to save them. And we need that power. And I I think that water, that that water, that word power (laughs) is 
we we don't like it as much anymore, depending on which angle you're looking at it from. You know, the word power, you don't want anybody to have power over you. You mm. want all the power, and then that makes you, I don't know, egotistical or something. Right. But the word power is like you said, just it doesn't have, it can be, it can be amazing and powerful, but it can also just be the simple power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit changing somebody's heart. Yes. You know, I mean, that is powerful enough. And that is why God gives his power. It's not so that his people can be gawked over and be like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh. It's so that people will believe the message of the gospel and come to him. That is why God worked miracles. That is why God continues to work miracles. It's not to be done in a vacuum just only to bless a person or a family or a town. It's so that they may see, mm-hmm. you know, to open the eyes of the blind. And we need to be praying for that power. And like Elisa said, praying for unity and being willing to let some of this crap go that mm-hmm. is separating us so that God may manifest his power and his blessings so that lives may be saved, souls may be saved. So he says, you don't need to know the dates and times. Stop worrying about the wrong thing, but you will receive power. He goes on and says, to the ends of the earth. Okay, that's another reason why you have the hands mm-hmm. as our image. You know, Lisa's talked about going to the ends of the earth, and we're that is the Great Commission. Still. No, we're not supposed to stay still. Now, granted, changing the world for the gospel starts in my circle. Wherever God has placed me, whether it be in a small town with a small job or whether it be with a national or international platform, whatever I do, I don't do it for me. Uh, I do it for the kingdom of God to spread the gospel. And it says, after saying this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. As they were staring into the sky after him, suddenly they saw two men dressed in white standing next to them. The men said, you Galileans, why are you standing staring into space? So right there, they're standing still, babe. (laughs) I mean, and he basically told them what you just said. Why are you standing still? There's work to do. He just Mm -hmm. told you. You were worried about Rome. He's trying to point you to the work. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's roll. Go back. Wait for the promise and get ready. You know, so two angels standing there. And also, there's a little bit of prophecy here. We need to mention that. You know, it it says, um, this Jesus who has been taken away from you into heaven will come back to you in just the same way as you saw him go into heaven. There's other scripture that confirms this Old Testament. Jesus will come back and land, light his feet on the uh, Mount of Olives just as he was taken. He will return. Um, So there's a little bit of prophecy there confirming some of the Old Testament scriptures as well. Um, then it says, Then they returned the Sabbath walk distance from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem. So, um, you know, there's the, <laughs> there's still a little bit, I guess the scriptures lend to the fact they're still a little bit worried about some of these legalistic type steps. I mean, you can only take so many on a Sabbath day or whatever. And so they were within their legal limit of walking back from the Mount of Olives back to, um, you know, back to uh, the upper room. So after entering the city, they went to the upstairs room where they were staying. Uh, then it lists the names of mm-hmm. the disciples. Uh, the uh, emissaries is how mine words it, or the apostles at that time. It says, these all devoted themselves single-mindedly to prayer, along, along with some women, including uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So, so when you're waiting, you got to pray. That's awesome. Yeah. 
And you know what? I mean, we should be praying anyways. You know what? I believe this too. We should all be waiting on something from God, not because we're just some needy people, but because we are excitedly expecting Mm -hmm. God's next move in my life and in the lives of the people around me. I'm, I'm waiting on God to move in some way. And in my waiting, I'm in position. I'm faithful. I'm I'm earnestly seeking Him out in every way, shape, or form. People say, why do you only listen to gospel music? Do what you want, but I need all I can get, man. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And I want to I want, I want, want pour in as much as I can to be ready. That's why I do it. Um, and you know what? There's women here praying too. You know what I mean? Let's don't get caught up in the fact that maybe this woman was preaching and it should be, you know. Let's just let's just be together. Let's love Jesus and let's let's row the boat for the gospel. Well, here's the biggest miracle about Acts, if you ask me, and that is all of this. You know, first of all, all of that is true. We're to be united. We're to be in position, expected, expecting some some kind of movement from God and praying. Meanwhile, but the instruction here is about God's mission. And so the miracle is that he's inviting us to be a part of it. Mm. Why would we not get excited about being Mm. a part of God's mission? Amen. I mean, the creator of the universe. It would be like, I don't know, a hundred power of a celebrity saying, hey, I got this plan. Do you want to be a part of it? Calling you on your cell phone. This is God saying, hey, I got this plan, and I want you to be a part of it. Yeah, I think too often we we don't look at just our salvation and our calling as a miracle like it is. It is literally a miracle. It's a work of God. He reached out, touched us, and brought us into the fold. Mm -hmm. So that's going to wrap us up for the first half of Acts 1. Uh, Make sure and stay tuned. We've got Pastor Mark Addington that's going to join us right after the break. Welcome back. We have our special guest on the line with us, Mark Addington, the pastor of United Methodist Church in Nashville, Georgia. Mark, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Thanks for asking me. Hey, Mark. Hey, y'all. We asked you on because I saw a post that you had made on Facebook regarding some pretty hot-button issues that um, Christian faith and Christian leaders in the faith has it's been on the, the forefront recently. Um, so most people probably know that one of Hillsong's um, worship leaders, his name is Samson, um, he, he came out and made a post about his faith. And we'll link this article from faithit.com that just kind of gives the background of it. But basically it quotes him saying in here, when talking about the Christian faith, he said, I'm not in it anymore. I want genuine truth, not that I just believe it kind of truth. Science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. Lots of things help people change their lives, not just one version of God. Got so much more to say, but for me, I'm keeping it real. And follow if you want. I've never been about living my life for others. And again, that was faithit.com quoting his his post. Samson. So, so there is a lot of lot of stuff here. 
And then you posted an article that Skillet's singer John Cooper had a long, detailed kind of a, a reply, I guess, mm-hmm. to to his post and his thoughts about it. And so I just wanted to talk with you. We wanted to talk with you about that specifically because there's some rich stuff and some good stuff. Yeah, tell us about what made you want to uh, respond and, and repost that, Mark. Well, a big part of it is uh, this was all over the news. Um, and I guess depending on what news sites you read, but uh, from what I can tell, most of the main uh, media outlets were reporting it. And, of course, it makes Christianity look bad to some degree. And that sells articles and clicks on the Internet, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, but you know, I want my folks who are probably struggling with some of the same stuff that he talks about Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to to hear the other side of it that there is still an avenue of of staying with faith uh, rather than just turning our backs on it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there's a hard question that that we can't answer doesn't mean that um, that we don't stay uh, in our relationship with God. And so that's that's the biggest reason why I wanted to post that. And the the gentleman that you. Um posted his article that was a reply to the original Hillsong artist. He really did a good job, and he, he went really line by line and addressed every issue that the original Hillsong artist posted. And um, one of the things that he posted in a reply to was very interesting, and that was the question of, uh, help me here, is it is it about why bad things happen to... He, his quote goes on to say that his original post says, How many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God be love yet send four billion people to a place uh, all because they don't believe? No one talks about and it. And that last one is really the one he said... It was just amazing the way he responded to that. He was like, what do you mean nobody talks about this? <laughs> He's like, yeah. this has been yeah. the question of the church age, you know? And yeah. he really, could, could you elaborate on that a little bit and, and tell us some of your personal experience? I know you do some do counseling as well. And kind of how, how have you seen that play out in your life as a pastor and trying to shepherd people to the With good shepherd? questions, yeah. yeah. Well, Here's the thing that I always try to to help folks understand, and I say this a lot, uh, and that is to become comfortable with the answer, I don't know. Yes. Um, And and what I've seen, and I I did some other reading after this um, on folks who responded to him and some of the other people that um, have made similar decisions to him that, you know, they're in places of leadership, but they step away from their faith because of stuff that they're struggling with. But the theme that I saw through what they were saying was that they wanted answers to questions that are just not there for us to answer. Um, And it it reminded me of the story of Job in the Old Testament, which is probably uh, the most difficult, Mm -hmm. one of the most difficult stories anyway uh, in Scripture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Job's family was taken from him, that he was a righteous man, and, uh, you know, that old phrase that you've heard people say, Job, uh, the patience of Job, just isn't true, really, when you actually read the the story. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was shaking his fist in God's face, saying, give me answers, and accused God at one point, basically, of of weighing him on dishonest scales, and demanding answers from God, 
and God's response to him was not an answer. Yeah. Uh, when you read the the epilogue of of uh, of Job, God says, "Look, were you there when I created the world? Were you there when I put it mm-hmm. on its foundations? Were, do you know all of this stuff?" And Job's response was classic. He clapped his his hand over his mouth and realized he said too much. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But so so yeah, to say that that people don't ever talk about this, I mean, it's in the Bible. This very same discussion of God, something has happened. And I don't understand it, and I want answers right now. And you asked about people in, in ministry that are in my ministry that have, have asked that question. Good golly, it's stuff that, that I can't name a person that hasn't struggled with something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. When and tragedy hits and accidents happen, you know, we all want to ask those, ask those questions. But for me, it's that, um, it's that realization that what this guy seems to be looking for is knowledge. And, but here's the, the truth in that. If I know everything, then I don't have any room for faith whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And good. we're not called to knowledge. We're called to faith. And, and knowledge is great. Knowledge is wonderful. It helps us grow closer to God when we recognize how incredibly powerful he is and all that. But, I'm not called to knowledge. I'm called to believe and trust in him. And so so as I've been thinking about this, this, this uh, what's his name again? Marty Sampson, I think. Sampson. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't want to judge him. I don't know him. I, I know he'll song music, but I've never heard his name before all of this. Uh, but um, what he's doing, in my mind, is the opposite of what Job did when God gave him the response that he gave him. Mm-hmm. Instead of putting his hand over his mouth and being awed by the power of God um, and, and all of the things that God knows that we don't, he's still standing there demanding those answers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, it's going to be hard, I think, in our culture to become comfortable with faith instead of knowledge. Um but that's, you know, part of my post on Facebook was about uh, John Cooper's statements and, and that um, he was saying that, that um, a lot of people get their truth about God and their truth about faith and all of that from Christian music lyrics um, and instead of actually getting their, their, their truth about faith and about God from Scripture. From the source. This, yeah. this from is, the source. This is the danger... Of being of being um, biblically illiterate, being absolutely. Uh, this, this is then that he speaks to that, just like you mentioned that mm-hmm. the minute you're taking your uh, your um, you know your your spiritual lessons that are supposed to be coming from the very uh, word of God, the breathed word of God, you know, mm-hmm. you know, kind of minister to you through uh, the Holy Spirit, and you begin to let man teach you. Mm-hmm. only about God. You know, there's a scripture that says you have no need for any man to teach you. The Spirit will teach you. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't need wise counsel and sound instruction from godly men who have been set in a place to do that. But even sure. Paul said, you know, talking about the Bereans, when he spoke to them, you know, the Bereans went back and searched out the scriptures for themselves to see that what he had said was true. And so we can't just take 
w- lyrics from a contemporary worship song and let that be our foundation because then yeah. when there's a little bit of a storm the foundation is just not it's not settled it's not firm because all we have is some some lyrics i mean it's supposed to be yeah. supplementary not foundational yeah I, re- I i really loved that that he brought that point up and alongside that mark is that this brings in the celebrity type issue too and you know the the danger in that is as we see all the time and and you know i'm a, a perfect example of it every single pastor is as broken as every other person amen um, and every every person is a sinner and when we put folks up on pedestals like that like these celebrities um and inevitably they're going to fall uh, their fall is going to be more Public. public than somebody else's, you might say, yeah. but but we're all broken people, and we're just trying to figure this thing right. out, and how to live uh, in the way that, that we've been instructed by the Scriptures, by the Spirit, uh, to love as Jesus loves, and, um, you know, we if we think that just because this fella is writing lyrics, and he's able to stand up on a stage and... and in music, that he's in a perfect example of who I need to be. It's not necessarily true. Right. Um, the only the example that we're supposed to be following That's is right. Jesus, not not a pastor, not um, a music leader, or any of those folks. It's we're supposed to model our lives after Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, ultimately, I think the big takeaway here for if you know if this is something that. Christians are wrestling with because we all have just like you said I've asked the same questions and it's okay to ask the question what's not okay is to like you said expect an answer and there's a point where you have to let your doubts grow your faith and not mm-hmm. not the other way around it should it should push you to seek harder mm-hmm. and and I don't know or powerful powerful words uh, because People shy away from saying, I don't know. People don't mm-hmm. like to, to accept, I don't know, because it makes them feel mm-hmm. um, like they're not wise or whatever. Mm-hmm. But golly, if we could just get to the point where we recognize, I don't know, right. helps us get to an issue of faith, then then I don't know becomes comfortable. Because it means, I don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this happens. I don't know why there's cancer. I don't know why there's terrorism. I don't know why there's any of the stuff that happens. Um, but what I do know is that God's on the throne. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if, if I knew it all, I'd be him, and I guarantee you I am not. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and that, to me, is something I think that we've got to recognize. And, Mark, just for the sake of, of people listening that may be uh, struggling with some of these same questions, I think it's good for us to a little bit turn the mirror around and let's look, okay? So... Uh, this gentleman uh, from Hillsong that felt uh, desperate and made this post and walked away from his faith because of some issues he couldn't settle in his own mind. Um, there's something to be said about, uh, obviously there was something that uh, fostered and, and was allowed to grow to where he became that desperate and that um, just felt that way where he had to walk away. This, I think we we as people inside uh, the fold, people... Uh, in local bodies of fellowship need to somewhat look introspectively and think, okay, am I creating, am I part of a culture that allows this safe dialogue? In other words, you know, one of the things that Elisa and I love is small groups because you can get really comfortable. I mean, and I, 
I have these same questions. We all do. And, and my question that's bothering me might not be your question, but we need a forum to be able, you know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. You know what I mean? Your revelation can be helpful to me and, and vice versa. Um, you know, I think we're moving into an era in um, the church where we're getting back to some of that. You know, for so long it was, like you said, a man on a pedestal giving a sermon twice a week and the people fed from that and individually. But I think, especially in 2019, when we're dealing with uh, very educated atheists that are adamantly set against the things of God and trying to actively tear down the faith through these questions that are tough to deal with. We need avenues to discuss these mm-hmm. things. And so is the church doing enough to try and combat some of these things, even if it's getting together and saying, let's just talk about them and it's okay to say, I don't know. Like, What are your thoughts on that, Mark? Well, if, if the church is encouraging people to, to grow in faith and participate in um, what we might call communal Bible study mm-hmm. uh, or, or studying Scripture together, mm-hmm. then, then yes, the church is going in the right direction. If the church is pointing in a direction where you have to listen to the words of the pastor or a particular teacher, and you have to, to um, only accept what they teach, et cetera, et cetera, then, then no, I think we're going in the wrong direction mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, because we've got to be able to read uh, Scripture together. Um, and, you know, you talked about um, people coming together and hearing the different experiences and asking the different questions, and, you know, there is just, there is real strength to me and comfort um, in being in a small group of people and hearing them struggle with some of the same stuff that I'm struggling with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, I'm, I may not find an answer to my struggle, um, but if nothing else, it helps me know I am not alone in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that the way our culture is, is that we, you know, we're connected. We've heard this a thousand times. We're connected in so many different ways, but we are more isolated from each other than ever before. Yeah. Um, because we think friendship is somebody liking our yeah. post on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. Um, but if I'm with a group of folks, um, well, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm in a, a, a group of five other, there's six of us total, five other United Methodist pastors that are all about my age, and um, we get together every so often, and we met uh, last month in Tiston. And, uh, you know, you do the, the standard pastor thing, you come together and you complain about your churches and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like teachers <laughs> yes, we, and students we, right yes. there. We do that, yeah, that's right. We love them, but, but yes. Exactly. Um, but, it, you know, it was it was powerful to me in that what the things that I struggle with here uh, in Nashville that uh, my buddy in Albany is struggling with. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, that my buddy up in uh, in Bonaire is struggling with, and it's it's all the same issues. It's issues of culture, but when I'm down here in Nashville and I'm in my church and I'm doing my thing and I'm struggling with my stuff, it is very easy for me to sit here and say, "Holy, I am in this fight by myself." Yeah. But if I'm in a group of people, and and so that's the example. If I'm in if I'm, if I'm in a group of people and we're meeting regularly and I'm confessing my heart and they're confessing their heart and we're holding each other up and but we start talking about stuff we're struggling with i'm not in this alone anymore mm-hmm. yeah you know and that's awesome and and going back to the the whole um 
epilogue of, of Job, where, where God just spouts off all the stuff that God has done. I mean, he has created life and has created, you know, the, the, the stuff that makes us ask the questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> when we start asking the questions, um, we, we can take one of two paths. We can either turn away from it because we feel like there's not an answer or the answer doesn't come in the time that we want it to, or we can turn that to recognize, golly, Darren, I may not know mm-hmm. the answer to this, but God made this this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, these trees that I'm looking at out my window right now while we're talking, um, God made the, the beautiful trees, but he also made the wind that's causing the trees to blow right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when if we start asking those questions, I don't think there's anything in the world wrong with, with asking the questions. I don't think there's anything in the world with us are wrong with us even sometimes getting upset with God, mm-hmm. um, but recognize in it that it doesn't make him any less God. Um, so certainly be praying for uh, for yes. this fella and, and for anybody that's got those struggles, and, um, and the best way in my mind to, to help somebody is just to love them. Mm-hmm. Be there when they're struggling with them. To to uh, if they've got the questions, don't try to make up an answer that sounds good that you may have heard somebody else say. Just mm-hmm. just love and, and be honest. Uh, yeah, be honest. Yes, because you don't know the answer any <laughs> any more any more than they do. You know. Yeah. Um, and so just love folks, and that's that's the biggest thing I think in all of this. And I, I love this Marty guy. I've never met him. Mm-hmm. I'd love to sit down and. Um, Love on him. Yeah. Yeah, just just have a conversation and, and uh, talk about what his experiences were, what it was like to stand yeah. in front of out the people and sing. Um, but, mm-hmm. and, yeah, because... Man, that's, that's the thing we've got to do. That's the, and that's the other thing I wanted to mention, too, that I saw, is a lot of folks um, were making statements that I think have upset him and some of the other folks, too. Like, well, he wasn't a real believer... Um, or otherwise he wouldn't have turned in the way that he he, he has. And I, I don't think that's helpful either. Right, um, no. Because I'm, I'm certain he had faith at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's allowed, he and, and we allow ourselves to, to let these questions and doubts become the focus of our stuff rather than uh, letting it help us be pointed in the direction of God. So... Mm-hmm. I think we have to be careful of the judgments that we make on folks, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Mark, thank you so, so our, much our for joining us. Absolutely. Yes. Thanks for asking me. Anytime. Yes, and we're, we're going to have you again, Lord willing, when we see something else that we feel like is in your wheelhouse. <laughs> we'll, right. we'll be in touch, man. But uh, thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you. All right, y'all have a great day. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that was an awesome conversation with Pastor Mark Addington. Uh, he's such a humble man. I love him. Uh, such a great perspective and a lot of grace. He's actually a really good singer, too. He doesn't want anybody to know that. Uh, but anyway, it was awesome having him on the show. And, you know, this is a very deep issue, and it's a very wide-stretching issue. Many people struggle with a lot of these same things. And so I feel led to mention um, just one reference that's been a help to me. Answers in Genesis is a website that I would refer people to. Just Google that. Uh, They are the ones that built Noah's Ark uh, or a, uh, a replica of Noah's Ark in Kentucky. 
Ken Ham, uh, everything from scientific articles dealing with, you know, carbon dating to uh, all the questions that we've talked about in this post that, that Marty Sampson posted. Very good resource. And of course, the scriptures speak to many of these issues. You know, the scripture does not, God does not leave us defenseless and without uh, reason for many of the questions that we deal with. Now, some of them we won't know until we get across the Jordan River to go and be with Him. And as Paul says, we will see Him uh, fully, not as dimly as looking through a glass, but we'll see Him fully and we'll know Him as we are known. And then these questions will be answered and all things will be right and resolved. But until then, some of these things will remain unanswered. But there are answers to some of these questions, and there's at least uh, comfort on some of these questions in the scriptures. Uh, So make sure and search them out. Uh, For those of you who are asking about, um, you know, God sending people to hell because they don't believe, I would refer you to Romans chapter 1. You know, let let the scriptures speak for themselves. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you um, and begin to reveal these answers to you. And our questions, like Elisa said earlier in the broadcast, should take us to God, not away from God. So let that be the challenge as we face these questions. Let, let our questions take us running to God because He is the answer. He alone has the answer. And the answer may be a progression. It may be something God has to take us through to give us revelation on certain things. Uh, and as we get revelation, you know, let us share that as others bring those questions to us. We can be, um, you know, a vessel of honor unto God to help bring them to Him. So thank you again for joining us. We enjoyed it, and please pray for us. And uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can check us out on our website, 2r1.org, questions at 2r1.org. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for the show or any uh, thoughts about anything we've covered or articles that you think may be interesting, please send them to us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next week.